0: The Man in Line with Andy Wint.
1: Faster my good afternoon at 7 minutes past 12, live on Man in Line today with representatives of the Manx Wildlife Trust, which has been around for, well, over 50-odd years now. It's the uh, leading nature conservation charity. Members, staff and volunteers support Manx Wildlife Trust to protect uh, what's around us, Manx Wildlife. So in the next hour, your chance to have a chat to Lee Morris and Lucy Chapman, and we'll find out what state our Manx Wildlife is in. Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? What's the most important thing on the Isle of Man, and possibly what is most at danger? Uh, Lee and Lucy, hi, good afternoon. Hello, good to see you. Uh, So, Lee, uh, so tell us now, what state are we in? Is uh, because we hear lots of stories about things getting worse in the world in terms of climate change, in terms of uh, the environment. How is the Isle of Man
2: doing? Are we getting better or worse? I think the first thing I'd say is that the Isle of Man's a wonderful place for nature. That's why we love our job. And that's why I'm delighted to have moved here four years ago. It, it's a wonderful place for nature. It's not perfect, and in our role as Manx Wildlife Trust, we 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 want to conserve the great stuff that we've got. We want to try and bring some things back that are no longer here and 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 enhance nature. And we've got some some pluses and some minuses. Um, one thing we are Really keen to do, and we're going to do that in the next few months. Is is come out with a with a document that we've worked well with 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 the government and lots of other environmental charities on the island. What we're calling a state of nature, uh, and that's a term that's used across. It's used in other countries, and, and we're going to come out with a, what we think is a baseline of nature. And there'll be some things that we don't know, but but I'll give you one success. Look at Manx shearwaters. Years ago, they'd gone. We 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 and others partners worked together. We we've pretty much eradicated the long tails on the calf of Man. And we've now got over a thousand breeding pairs coming back but to flip that another really important bird for us are tree sparrows we thought they were almost on the brink they are on the brink but but we're working now with others with manx bird life with the manx ornithological society to to try and conserve those tree sparrows Um, and we're doing all we can to do that so there's pluses and minuses and and we're going to get a baseline
1: Uh, lucy you're a a team wilder coordinator is that right
3: yeah that's right what
1: does that mean what is it
3: Uh, the project team wilder is about um, connecting people with nature and inspiring them to do what they can in their own lives to help wildlife so the science says if you can get one in four people to take up any cause then that's enough to create a tipping point that means that change will happen really fast and across the whole wildlife trust federation we want that cause to be wildlife
1: okay um now it, wh- how do, where do the volunteers fit into this and what is how does anybody volunteer for Makes Wildlife Trust?
3: So volunteers are a hugely important part of what we do we've got around 300 volunteers now and there's lots of different ways that we can um, work with them to get involved so we've got um, a regular team who go out the, the, the midweek muckers and the balakuri bashers who help on our specific nature reserves um, managing them for wildlife The
1: balakuri bashers the, the
3: balakuri bashers who look after um, the balakuri nature reserve. Right. Right. Um, d- down in the south of the island and then we've got um, the midweek muckers who, who move around our nature reserves doing those really labour intensive jobs that are done sensitively so as not to disturb wildlife to manage the um, nature reserve. So there there are practical volunteers. We've got volunteers down at Craigie Cowan which is our new um, Celtic Rainforest Project who are um, working alongside the Isle of Man Woodland Trust. We're going to be planting 35,000 trees down there. So there's, there's lots to do. There's lo- lots to get involved with but we've got people helping with our education. We've got People helping in the office, um, but, but part of Team Wilder is, is also a new way of working where people we're supporting people to work more independently, so they might get their own community project up and running that can benefit nature, or maybe it's even just something that they're doing in their own garden.
1: Uh, Stop right there! Rainforest project.
3: Rainforest project on yeah. the Isle of Man. On on the Isle of Man. So te- temperate rainforest is a um, a landscape, a habitat that would would have been. Um, Present many many years ago, um, across down the west coast of, of the British Isles, um, and there's a, a big partnership with um, Aviva. They've they've um, given a, a, a big donation. As part of their environmental social governance to start to to restore and create some of this temperate rainforest, so much of which we've lost um, across the west coast of the British Isles. And the Isle of Man, and Manx Wildlife Trust were one of the first places to acquire some land to start doing that. So it's a project that's really captured the um, interest and imagination of the Manx public. They've been very supportive of it.
1: Where's it starting?
3: Um, At Craigie Cowan, so that's in East Baldwin.
1: Right, Um, uh, uh, Lee Lee Morris. uh, We hear a lot about ash dieback and trees dying on the Isle of Man. Where does Manx Wildlife fit into that? Do you monitor that? Do you help with that? What happens?
2: We're not doing well. We we have a project actually directly with ash, but. I guess that the broader term is that sometimes you get pest and diseases will come in, and the ecology of, of an island or a place will change. Yeah. With ash dieback, there's actually some resistance in in ash in Fraxinus. So we've actually oh, I got. I thought a,
1: there was no stopping it.
2: There is some resistance, and and actually there's in, in one of our projects in, in Ramsey at the Herpin Woodland Park. There's there's an area there of, of a field where there's a lot of ash seedlings, and if you walk through there, you'll see that some of them are sustaining; they're alive. So we've actually we're, we're looking to to, to partner. A, a local nursery, and, and actually we, we tried it last year. My background's horticulture, so I did a little bit of bench grafting last year. And, and without going too technical, if you get resistant bits and you graft them onto seedlings lower down, you can you can sustain. So there's an element of that, but there's also an element of how does the island's tree population evolve and, and you know what, what is a resilient island forest going to look like. And maybe there'll be less ash in future, and maybe there'll be other tree species that, that will come in and that will, will look to replace ash with, with other ones, but hopefully keep some. Ash. And what might those species be? Uh, well, interestingly, one of them is not, not not typically a Manx species. Some some will talk about sycamores, so aces. Um, maybe that's one tree species that comes in. But, but I want to reassure people that, that, that things that are very Manx, the Manx oaks, birch you know rowans those trees will still be very much in the landscape but who knows what who knows what tree disease is around the corner
1: okay uh, let's go to the lines then and uh julian's uh, first on today hi julian you're live with manx wildlife trust
0: hi andy and hello to lee and lucy hi hi um question for you uh, do you have any concerns about wind turbines being deployed on and around the
2: isle of Man? So we you won't be surprised Julian that we we thought there might be a question on wind turbines. So do we have concerns? Yes. Are we more enthused at the possibility of renewable energy? Yes. And there there is a lot of concern and we empathize with the concern about wind turbines both in on land and also in the sea. I think we very much understand that people have different opinions about renewable energy. And they would range in extremes from people that think it's uh, an absolute no brainer and we have to become off grid as soon as possible. There'll be other people that think there's, you know, there's there's some scaremongering and is climate change real? Manx Wildlife Trust as a whole organisation, we're very much towards the spectrum that that we believe climate change is a major threat for biodiversity it's a major threat for people and and we need to do something about it as a population Um, and we should do what we can in our island to make that difference and so therefore doing something and getting renewable energy high up the agenda is is important for us as an organisation we're therefore very 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 supportive of the Isle of Man government who are now pushing a renewables agenda the but from that is that whatever is done needs to be done in the right place and we as an organisation, and I'm, I'm glad to say this on the radio, we trust and expect our government to carry out full and rigorous ecological appraisals and surveys and a full due diligence on any planning process before any turbines go up in the land or the sea. And that's our position now. And I think that's a really important one, that that there are conversations that I have behind the scenes that don't mean that we're not having those conversations. But we need to to trust and expect, and I use that word strongly, process to happen properly. Uh, And if it doesn't, then we might change our stance. But that's where we are now. We like renewables, we want renewables, but we want them in the right place, and we expect due process to take place before anything's built.
0: Julian? Yeah, um... The 2,000 scientists at clintel.org might not agree with the Wildlife uh, Trust in that case about the fact that they're saying that there is no climate emergency, however... um Various things. There's a particular document I'd like to ask you about on the Wildlife Trust website. Um, But first of all, you've got recent news with the wind farm in the south of France having to remove the turbines, including the um, foundations and returning it to its original condition because of multiple bird strikes and infrasound problems with humans. You've got Leibniz University in Germany saying that 55 bat deaths per year per megawatt, which would mean over a thousand bat deaths per year on the island. You've got ESI Energy in America recently been fined $8 million for killing raptors across eight U.S. states. Um, you've also got Derby Haven being cited as a potential um, place to bring the turbine blades ashore, although that's supposed to be an area of special scientific interest.
4: Um,
0: but on your uh, Wildlife Trust website, um, you've got several documents, including one called The Way Back to the Living Seas, And it states on page 18, there is no policy to reduce harmful noise and very little evidence to support decision-making in relation to noise impacts, despite documentaries like uh, Thrown to the Wind, which recently showed massive amounts of uh, dead whales on beaches off New York and New Jersey. Um, If Fort Wildlife uh, um, Trust website is currently saying that there is no policy in regarding even just noise from wind turbines... Shouldn't there be a moratorium on any development of wind farms until at least there is some policy based on your own document?
2: I mean, it's a fair question, and, and I can see that you you care passionately about this, and I, I, I very much respect and empathise with that. Um, I'm not suggesting that we're perfect and razor-sharp on every single policy on our website, but the fundamental principles for us remain that we want, as a principle of renewable energy, we'll have to agree to differ um, we think we think climate change is a, is a big issue we think it 's a big issue for nature and we big, think it 's a big big issue for the planet and so we could talk for hours and you won 't change my opinion on that. But I respect your different opinion, um, but for us as an organization we 've had long discussions both at board level and with the staff team and for us, renewable energy is a really important thing that we want to go forward and i think that, and I think it will tease out but I, I would just say to you right now again that there needs to be a process that process has started nothing's happened yet no one's put a spade in the ground yet and we need to make sure and we will make sure as a charity that we speak up if we think think the due process isn't being followed correctly so i think having people like yourself on the detail is really important we, we want to listen to you and we'd be very glad to get that detail if, if we've missed things throw it into us but our fundamental base principles remain that there is a climate change it's not we don't believe it's 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 wrong. There is a climate change risk. It's 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 impacting on nature, it's impacting on people, and we think renewable energy, appropriate renewable energy in the right place, is a key step forward. And ultimately, you know, when I was born, there were less than three billion people on the planet. You know, there's over eight billion people now and, and we need energy to run. Um, and we think it needs to be focused on renewables. I'm, I'm going to, I can see Lucy's itching. Go on, Lucy. You can...
3: I, I think just, just to add to that is um, that we do accept, and I think everybody needs to accept, it is complicated. These, these issues that we're facing, biodiversity loss, climate change, they are very complicated, very messy. They're sometimes called wicked problems. You know, they, if, if there was one simple answer... That, that would be great. And if we could stand as experts and give that one simple answer, well, I, 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 we, we wouldn't be being truthful. We do have to embrace the complexity in the decision making and, and we will do our part and, and use the expertise that I see every day um, when I go into work to offer our best contribution to this very, very complicated, very messy situation so
1: you think this um, inevitably this will this will mean a compromise somewhere
3: I I think that when human activity is involved there are consequences and that goes from every morning we wake up in the morning we get out of bed and we have an impact on the world that we live in um, I don't know many big big decisions that that don't come with with two sides of, of the coin and I think to to pretend that big decisions can be made without differing impacts is is overly simplistic and not helpful to the conversation
1: okay all right julian good to hear from you thanks for being with us Thanks very much. Cheers. Okay, here's a message from Alex, who just said, "Can you ask the people from Manx Wildlife Trust what impact the two uh, uh, the nuclear power stations across the way, uh, the ones at uh, Sellafield and also the ones at Hisham, does that have an effect on the Isle of Man? Because Alex says people often talk about nuclear power being
2: green. Is it very green to the Isle of Man, Lee Morris? That's a good question. My wife's from Whitehaven." Um, and, and she remembered she would talk about Sellafield and how she grew up in that shadow. So um, I'm not claiming to be an expert on nuclear energy. Um, I think I, I'm told recently that there's an area of, of water at Sellafield that's, that needs to be drained away and that's it's, it's radioactive. I think Lucy had a, a fantastic point, he says, um, in that everything we do has an impact you know conservation for me is about people and we have to live we live on a planet and we want to enjoy living on a planet and so everything we do has an impact and we need to somehow mitigate that and make sure that we can sustain and sustain the wildlife around it so i'm not an expert on nuclear power i'm not going to try and give an answer to something i think um we have to ju- i don't th- propose we're going to propose building a nuclear power station here what happens in Sellafield? does it concern me yes it does Um, I don't lose sleep over it, but I I, I don't know enough about it. Okay,
1: All right. It's interesting. I mean, that was a hot, real hot topic years and years ago when um, people like Bono were getting involved in it. But uh, uh, that's for the future. Let's get uh, more questions coming in. Thanks for those. And Howard's with us now. Hi, Howard.
4: Hello, Andy. Uh, Good afternoon to your guests. Hello. Just um, a curio. Uh, It's information that you may be um, able to pass on to myself and the general public. I've grown up on the island all my life, born here, and we've always had the assumption that there was no squirrels, um, snakes, moles, and all this sort of thing. They were not indigenous. But now that we have um, a shipping company, no matter what it is, and the airlines in and out of here all the time, what is to prevent, is there anything, in your knowledge, within legislation, etc., that will prevent people bringing this sort of animal or snake or whatever they call them, mammals, into the island. I know there's one shop here has quite a collection of what we term as exotic animals. And I know it was nice when the first of the wallabies got out and they were plumping all over the up in the cutticks, but now I believe they're becoming a bit of a distraction. And um, what would happen if these animals were brought in and there's no legislation to prevent it and uh, they became then a pest
2: yeah, so, i think non non native species is a is a really important topic for us and also for defa manx government you know invasive non native species and around the world there are hundreds of examples of where man has moved things. Uh, you know, my own background is plants. People would go on ships around the world, collect plants, take them back to botanic gardens, take them out to, and they spread and they make an impact. So non-native species is important, be that a a plant species or be it be it something as large as a wallaby. Squ- squirrels, I know there's, there's, there's quite a, or there's certainly people in the island who would be keen that the Isle of Man potentially becomes a sanctuary for red squirrels. Um, our standpoint as a as a charity is that first and foremost we we care about manx nature and if there are any you know manx species we don't want them impacted by anything that's not from the island Um, and clearly things do move people can bring things in cars but but both for us and the government we care first and foremost about manx species
3: um, I think it's also education is really important. So um, p- people knowing not to release certain species into the wild. If you've got a terrapin in a tank that you don't want anymore, that doesn't belong in um, a, a wetlands. Things, Even things that people are um, flushing down their toilets, planting in their gardens. Um, th- these can all sort of es- escape. Um, so I think just education and people taking some responsibility themselves, which again is all part of the Team Wilder project. What, what impact am I having and how can I help wildlife? Um, it, it's it's all of our responsibility to make sure that the, the native Max wildlife is, is protected
4: Howard? Do you know of any um, um, security-wise for people importing animals because on the likes of the steam packet you can come in I'm only quoting the steam packet because that's the one that's normally used uh, no deference to them but you can leave an animal in a car um, and you don't pay for it which is, is fair or you can take it up into the lounge but if you don't pay for it you leave it in the car it's there for the journey in a four-hour journey you can have importing a serious problem onto the island is there any security on these of what comes in
2: um there's not the same security they would be on other islands i've lived on where the biosecurity regulations are very very stringent cuz they're, they're much more remote islands and it's deemed that the biodiversity there is very very different than what might come in but that's 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 not cuz people don't care i think it comes down to maybe a capacity and a money issue i i think and also i think if 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 every time you got on one of the boats that go you know, a few times a day if there was a stringent biosecurity check on the on every car and vehicle and bag that went on, I think there'd be a a huge backlash against that. So I think there is a compromise. Um but certainly, you know, the Wildlife Act and the things, you know, non-native species are not are not wanted on the island. And we don't want people releasing things, be that, you know, new invert species or large mammals. I I, I think there is a process and, and first and foremost, I guess I'd like my last point on this would be that I want people to 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 hopefully value what we've got already and not think oh we can you know let's let's let let's let elk loose or let's bring some red deer in or maybe we'll let some foxes run around the island wouldn't that be nice Uh, we want people to understand that the nature we've got now is really precious and if you introduce anything into an ecosystem be that a small bug a plant or a large mammal it will impact on what's already there and we believe that what we've got here is pretty special and we want to cherish that and not damage it by bringing things in that, that are not from the island
4: OK, thanks, that's Howard. Nice to, that's nice to hear, but I would like to hear something more serious from the government and a bit more advertisers as what not to do.
1: OK, all right. We appreciate that, Howard. I, I just want to come then, um, uh, Lee Morris, to the Wallabies. Um, uh, uh, you know, they're they're uh, facetious. Uh, they're <laughs> very odd. Uh, Australian TV crews absolutely love them. They have no natural predator on the Isle of Man, apart from the odd Nissan micro on the road. <laughs> so is the Wallaby population sustainable and
2: is it good for the Isle of Man? Um, I've been here four years now and I I was in meetings for quite a few meetings in my first couple of years where the topic of wallabies would come up and and I'd like to say that the, the wallabies escape from the wildlife park Uh, there's no debate in that in my mind that they escaped from the wild park in the probably the late 60s early 70s and they built up a population but the wildlife park is right in the heart of our most important conservation designation area it's a Ramsar site it's an area of import it's an area it's an assi it's an important internationally regarded wetland site so let's just get that clear for the whole Manx population. This is our most important conservation site. And when we have conversations about that conservation site, the topic of wallabies would come up. And then I found, my experience in the first two years, was that people got very passionate, often bordering on anger, with very polar views. Some people would say, there's only 10 or 20 of them, What's all? where are we even wasting the conversation? Other people would say, there's hundreds and they're stopping hen harriers roosting and they're eating all our plants. And we had no baseline. So, we're very conscious, again, as a charity that cares about Manx nature, is that we don't want to have arguments with people. We want to have informed, informed evidence-based discussions and so we as a charity decided that we wanted to get more evidence and so last year about this time last year actually we had a guy came to the island who specializes in counting large mammals with the drone with a thermal image camera Um, and he came across and we did the counts, and we did it at night only because the wind in the in the day was when he came was was too strong so I sat with him the first night and we went to the and he got his drone in the air and we did a count I was amazed at how many there were I was. I, I, I'm not trying to give dramatic effect. I was genuinely amazed. I was so amazed that I'm going to go back and do the same area again two days later.
1: How did How did you know there weren't cows, or oh, horses? Oh, I,
2: I could the films online, you can see a tail <laughs> they look like mini T-Rexes on a thermal image camera you can see the hairs, you can see the sheep are slightly less thermal imprint because with the wool it's very very clear If you anyone that wants to see the footage I'm happy to, we've got lots of footage recorded from the drone but but it was, I watched the methodology for probably 10 or 12 hours over two nights and I'm certain there's nearly 600 just living in the Kuruk. now that figure alone I'm not coming out or we're not coming out with a statement of what that means but what it does mean that no one can say there's only 10 or 20 anymore it informs our discussion as an island now maybe they have been here so long maybe they deserve to be manxified but but there is a population of 600 wallabies and what's the rate of breeding we don't know we also don't know how inbred they are. So last time I was in the Courrux, just Very, before, I would imagine. Well, you would. Th- I used to work in the zoo world, and when I was at Edinburgh Zoo, I had an office, and we had a wallaby walk round outside. So, A, I know how popular it is for people, because they go in there, but I also know that if you wanted to breed a red-necked wallaby as a zoo, you had to go through the European Association of Zoos and Aquariums, and you had to speak to the stud book holder who would control the gene pool and which wallabies could cross with which wallabies to ensure that there was no inbreeding. So that's how the zoo world works to make sure that these problems are mitigated against. Now, I don't know with redneck wallabies whether, I can't believe 100 escaped from the wildlife park. So however many escaped have, have bred as a population. Now, at the last time I was in the Currucks, and again, I filmed it, there was a wallaby completely blind. It was running around the field, bumping into trees, tripping over itself. Other people find them with, with... Now, I don't know if that's just what wallabies do, but even if you're the most fervent supporter of wallabies in the Isle of Man and that they're here to stay, surely we don't want them unhealthy. We need to understand this population because it's not half a dozen, it's hundreds. So we, as an island, and this is very much our standpoint, we need to understand the wallabies better and make some informed discussions and decisions about what we do next
1: okay Uh, talking about balaf currux and there's a question in from simon who just said um are the balaf currux draining and is it anything to do with the willows
2: uh, there's certainly more willows there than now bef- there were before and willows suck up water um we did a rudimentary that's, that's probably unfair we did a one person hydrology survey of the corrects that we'd like to do more of a, of a hydrological survey certainly the, the the willows the sallies growing up we believe have, have impacted on the roosting grounds for the hen harriers you know maybe that's the reason they're not there anymore not the wallabies or maybe it's a bit of both
1: we're live today with Manx Wildlife Trust. Lee Morris is here. He's Chief Exec of Manx Wildlife Trust and the Team Wilder Coordinator is Lucy Chapman. If you want to get in touch, got lots of questions to get through if you want to call 66 text 166 177 WhatsApp, same number or email studio at manxradio.com
0: Logan Air's big summer sale is here. Save up to 15% off on over 1 million seats across the UK. Book by 9th January, travel from 1st February. Subject to availability Exclusion Supply Visit loganair.co.uk Loganair, your journey, our joy Have you heard the news?
5: We are number one We are family run my
0: The huge Mike's Motors winter sale is now on. With prices that will warm your heart, a handsome £200 worth of Marks & Spencers vouchers and a full tank of fuel with every vehicle sold. Buy now with nothing to pay for three months and up to £500 cash back available on all our finance deals. So come on down to Castletown and grab your deal today. T's and C's apply. Mike's Motors is an approved Conister Bank partner.
1: You know, Dave, the Q-Plus counter always has just what I need. Whatever plumbing job I'm working on, whether a state-of-the-art bathroom or the latest heating system, Q-Plus always help. With extensive supplies, friendly, knowledgeable service and great prices, it really is the one-stop shop for trade and DIY
0: customers alike. And if they don't have what you want in stock, they'll find it for you. See for yourself. Just take a look at Q-Plus on Facebook. The Ramsey Garden Centre seasonal sale is now on. Featuring a huge range of seasonal items at up to 50% off. Don't delay, grab a bargain today. There's never been a better time to visit Ramsey Garden Centre. Open seven days a week on Albert Road, Ramsey. The Shaw Hotel Laxey has an exceptional offer, too good for the weekend. Enjoy a night of winter midweek staycation luxury in January or February with breakfast for two. And a £40 per person dining voucher for only £260. To book... Call us or visit laxi.IM and experience the exceptional. We're back on the Ross Revenge this January for another Caroline North. Join us this weekend for some great music from the 60s, 70s, 80s and into the 90s. We have some money to give away to spend in the Caroline web shop and play you the greatest music of your life. Join us this weekend live from the Ross Revenge for Caroline North. Here with Manx Radio, Radio Caroline North, back on six four eight and thirteen sixty eight AM. The man in line with Andy
1: Wint and Manx Wildlife Trust today. Lots to uh, get in between now and one o'clock. And by the way, if you want to find out more about about Manx Wildlife Trust, the uh, website address is mwt.im. Nice and simple, mwt.im. Fifty plus years they've been in uh, in um, uh, in existence and Eddie's first with us
5: Eddie's with us now, hi Eddie Hiya, you alright? Good thanks, yeah Good. Yeah um, the, the Wildlife Trust um, um, it's been going for what, 50 years now is it? 51 now yeah Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think I mentioned a couple of months back I, uh, I got an invite to go to the new uh, bird sanctuary at the Point of Air um, were, were your panel anything to do with are you uh, anything to do with that, Lee?
2: No, that, that, well, that's, that's a site that's owned by Manx Birdlife, um, another important nature conservation charity on the yeah. Isle of Man. It's a wonderful site, and they're going to create a fantastic reserve up there. It's lovely.
5: OK, Eddie?
2: To- to- totally agree with that. It's fantastic. Um, Were you also anything to do with the Biosphere? Um, we are Biosphere Partners, and I personally sit on the Biosphere um, Steering Group. But we didn't oh. create the biosphere. No, but we're, yeah. p- we're, proud to, we're proud to be a part of it. Yeah.
5: Well, I was listening to Julian that was on before, and he, he gave a multitude of reasons, um, you know, for not putting up wind turbines. Um, I'd I wrote a lot of things down myself, like um, uh, the birds, the bats, the wildlife, the heathland, the forest floods. I've also found a lot of information about peat landslides which are happening in Shetland because of these things. Uh, But what really amazed me was the fact that a body of your uh, sort of thing you said uh, that you actually trusted the government, and you must be the only two people on the Isle of Man that trust this government. Well, I think and,
1: I, I mean uh, we got to crack on, Eddie. But I mean, I think what he oh, said I, was I, that I, they they I've would, scruti- would scrutinise what the government said, uh, but they were for renewable energy, Eddie.
5: I've got one very important thing to point out, if I may. Okay. Uh, the airy stain um, side of which you're actually going to put or proposed these turbines, did the, um, th- does the panel know that that used to be a tip? And what it was, well, when that landfill was finished, it was all earthed over and turned into a little bird sanctuary.
2: We actually that's one of our nature reserves, so the erietain nature Reserve is built on a he's built exactly that on a landfill rubbish tip and I think it's a great example of reclamation and turning um what was human rubbish back to being a good space for nature so that's a small part of the of the whole area eristane is is the manx wildlife trust eristane nature reserve
1: and i think you only uh, that only came in about 25 years ago i think manx wildlife trust so uh, uh and is that i mean how successful will that be because before we got the incinerator everything was buried so that as a landfill site has, has recovered? Has nature recovered it?
2: Um, if you walked across the site now, you don't see landfill. You, you, the biodiversity of the site, you could debate how, how biodiverse it was compared to pre-landfill, but it's certainly a site that's been put back for nature.
5: OK. Eddie? Uh, yeah but, uh, but I still totally disagree with anybody who's anything to do with wildlife actually back in turbines when we know all the facts about them and what what it's going to devastate uh, the Isle of Man is a beautiful place, it should not be damaged in any way, and if you're uh, anything to do with the wildlife in this island, I'm disgusted that you even think about backing it.
1: Okay, okay? alright, we appreciate that, and I think um, uh, Lee covered that earlier on. Uh, Manx Wildlife uh, is a lovely place to be a volunteer, says Marie. Last year I met loads of people from all over the world, and they were delighted with the air site. Uh, they made it a, a part of the uh, the travel to the Isle of Man, as if they'd heard so much about it. Well done, Manx Wildlife says Mari. So just tell me again, um, uh, Lucy. How do people get? If somebody wants to be a volunteer, what did you, does it cost? Anything? Do you have to be a member? What happens?
3: No, I mean we we always want to encourage membership. It's a really important way to add your voice to nature. But anybody can volunteer, and we wouldn't have membership as a as as a barrier if 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 they couldn't get to that. Um, so you get in touch with me. So you could come through the website. You could give us a call. Um, um, tell us a little bit about what your skills are, what you want to do, when you want to do it. And we would match you with one of the many uh, roles that we've got.
4: What's your telephone
1: number?
3: Oh, what is Eight our treble
2: telephone number?
3: <laughs> oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> 84432. Speak to Lucy. Uh, how fit and able do you have to be? Do you have to have your own wellies and mac and everything? Are you going to get wet or cold?
3: depending on 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 what you do um, we can't we can 't promise that the Great Manx weather will always be kind, um, but we will make sure everybody knows exactly what they need to be kitted out in and we've uh, we'll keep people safe and happy and comfortable while they're volunteering with us and we, we can match we can match roles to people's abilities and to what they want to do.
1: Okay uh, Lee Morris where do you sit with the agricultural industry on the Isle of Man what does, what's Man- Manx Wildlife Trust's relationship
5: with farmers?
2: Well, well we, we are the delivery agents for the new Agri Environment Scheme which we're very excited about so if you don't know if you listen to this Manx Agriculture um, 75% of the area of the Isle of Man is, is registered farmland so working with the farmers for us is a massively important thing you know we for the first 50 years we had nature reserves some wonderful precious places for the island but that's less than one percent of the island so now working with farmers we've got hopefully a, a, a positive positive working relationship across 75 percent. so we have a great relationship um, we've got a memorandum of understanding with the max national farmers union um, my own background was horticultural crop growing so I, I hopefully that gives me an empathy with work with talking with farmers and and producers and we all eat food so everything that we eat has been farmed the island's heritage is in farming Um, and we found through david bellamy our agri-environment officer is now our head of conservation and land delighted to say he got promoted david into that role but he's still leading on agri-environment and if you know if david was here now he'd be talking about the the gains that that we've made as an island through agri-environment, through getting farmers to be you know, recognized and rewarded for the good work that they're already doing for nature, and then bringing in initiatives to hopefully incentivize and, and, and move different things to benefit. So working with farmers is massively important. We, we have a, a great working relationship with the MNFU and through the the DEFRAG team, and we're actually really, really excited about what, what the future might be.
1: Okay, a message in now from Hillary who says, can you ask Manx uh, Wildlife Trust, What's the state of the peat on the Isle of Man? And um, she says that people used to, apparently at one time, were given a right to dig peat up. Presumably that's now gone.
2: Yeah, um, you, can't, um, you can't harvest peat now in the Isle of Man. Um, there's, there's, you can still burn peat. There's one small Scottish company that's importing uh, byproduct of the whisky industry into the island. you can still you can still burn peat. We we'd rather they didn't. My own, again, I have to confess, I'm almost like poacher turned gamekeeper. I was a, a nursery grower for many years, and I've used probably Tons, thousands yes. of cubic metres of peat, but I didn't know then what I know now, mm. and I think as a horticulturist, there are different ways to grow, you don't need peat, you can do it in a different way, so, what, so, is, so is we want peat, to leave it there Is
1: our peat on the mountains, will that just continue to aggregate, it will continue to grow and to get thicker? Uh, uh, the, the,
2: interestingly, there's I think across the, 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 the uplands there's a difference, some areas it's it's aggregating and coming back, in other areas we need to do some restoration in other areas, we need need to consider doing some management and yeah. that's where coming back to the last point about farmers all the upland is farmed and we and the, there are some farmers up there who are extremely positive in wanting to help do that as a sustainable way and and that's something that we're keen to see how do, how do we work with the flockmasters how do we ensure that the manx peat and the manx farming go hand in hand because
1: sometimes you'll be driving across the mountain and we'll see what look like black lines in the in the in the heathland, if yeah. you like and that's peat slipping
2: that's peat slipping. And and a lot of that is where Um, that's probably reduced to to, as a result of previous harvesting where the peat slipped and actually where you get a bare slope of peat you then start to lose carbon to the atmosphere so that that's again negatively impacting on our carbon footprint so there is you know the concept of restoring that and we did a little trial last year where we introduced sphagnum and actually sarah who led on the peat work for us has now got the full-time job in defa as the as the uplands peat officer which is sad for us but i tell you it's fantastic for the island because i I think with Sarah leading on the peat work now in a full-time role for DEFA, for us, that's a great step. That's our government saying that they value the peat and that they're actually gonna mobilize and put someone on it full-time. And we're hoping to work, well, we will be working closely with DEFA and Sarah on that alongside agri-environment uh, uh, to, to actually do some of that restoration work Okay, here's a note in from
1: uh, Eddie uh, Edina it is, a, just saying so once and
2: for all are you saying we shouldn't have red squirrels on the Isle of Man? We shouldn't have red squirrels on the Isle of Man because they are not from the Isle of Man and we need to worry about the Isle of Man species first
3: yeah, okay. I think there's many, many conservation priorities aren't there of conserving what we have
2: Okay, Uh, live
1: with Manx Wildlife Trust in a moment. When you
4: save a little money,
5: it means a lot these days.
0: If you're looking for bathrooms and tiles, you'll always find something new in store at Pacesetter. For surprisingly affordable prices and excellent choice, search online for Pacesetter Douglas. Or better still, visit the Pacesetter Bathroom and Tile Showroom on Harris Terrace and see the new styles in store.
4: You can get the best of everything.
3: Are you concerned about your eye health? Holmes and Davidson Opticians in Douglas are proud to offer the Idon Ultra Wide Field Retinal Imaging and Heidelberg 4D OCT systems. State-of-the-art machines that allow early detection and management of eye diseases. Don't wait. Book your appointment today and ensure the health of your eyes with the best technology available. Call 676 230 or visit holmesanddavidsonopticians.co.uk now. At the first store, the bowls were too small. No good for my porridge, Goldilocks thought. At the second store, the chairs were too hard and uncomfortable. But at the third store, the beds were so comfy. That's because she was in Millichaps of Ramsey, where everything is just perfect. Right now, find bargains across every department at the Millichaps Winter Sale, including carpets, flooring, sofas and dining, plus amazing stressless bedroom furniture and accessories. Don't miss the Millichaps Winter Sale. Good choice, Goldilocks.
0: Have you been invited to take part in the Household Income and Expenditure Survey? It's one of the most important surveys for our island, because the information you provide is vital data for our island's financial planning. It helps us calculate our VAT revenue from the UK, plus it gives us a better understanding of the financial strains on residents, so we can support those who are struggling. If you've been invited, please take part. Visit gov.im forward slash H-I-E-S for more information. If you bought your loon pants and cheesecloth shirts from paraphernalia, if your vinyl records came from Mark Kelly's or the Music Box, if your weekends were danced away at the MGM, the Port Disco or the Hawaiian Bar, then join me to relive those halcyon days with three hours of music from the decade that had it all. Sensational 70s on Manx Radio from 1 till 4 on Sunday afternoons with me, Mike Buttle. It's on DAB, online, on smart devices and absolutely live on air on Manx Radio. The Manx in line with Andy Wynch. And Manx
1: Wildlife Trust, uh, Lucy Chapman is Team Wilder coordinator. What's the Nature Recovery
3: Network? Um, so the Nature Recovery Network is, is looking at... Um how much land we've got in the Isle of Man that is, that is managed for wildlife, that is beneficial for wildlife and, and how, how connected that all is. So part of what we've been doing with um, UNESCO Biosphere and government is to is to create a, a layer on a map that looks at how much of the Isle of Man is um, friendly towards wildlife and um, looking at an often undervalued um, part of that which is our own land, our, our gardens, our, our office um, buildings and the land surrounding them. So we're encouraging people. um, You can go onto our website, you'll find it. We've got a little survey called How Wild Is Your Land? And you fill out some some questions that cover food, shelter, water, um, and you can see how how well your land is managed for wildlife at the moment and then you'll get tips on how you could um, in, in, increase um, the sort of wildlife uh, encouragement factors in, in, in your own land. And I know that you've done a lot of work here at um, Manx Radio on uh, the, the land around you so I'm going to be sweet talking somebody here to fill out that survey for us.
1: Oh, we were wilding. Everybody said you can't be bothered to cut your grass. We were wilding weren't we? <laughs> What we were, But it was very big for butterflies, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, big big for butterflies uh, and, and there'll be other, um, may, maybe less obvious creatures that are really appreciating um, that just
1: that the rabbits couldn't find their way through the grass that was the problem (laughs) we have lots of rabbits on Douglas Head Uh, you did I mean you're still doing that butterfly count
3: yeah, the butterfly count has been going for many, many years, hasn't it? I don't know how many years, but a butterfly transect in, in the same place at the same time of year to see um, how the populations... And you count hedgehogs,
1: is that right as well? We,
3: we've got we've got a hedgehog project happening, so we've got hedgehog tunnels that we can lend to people if they think that they have a hedgehog in their garden um, that comes with lots of information about how you can help and encourage them, how you can um, create create um, spaces so that they can um, get through your fences and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's all about people doing what they can in their own lives to to encourage wildlife will make a big difference
1: okay eight treble four three two if you want to volunteer for manx wildlife trust uh so in terms of uh, what you can do in your gardens and at home uh lee what would be your advice to people
2: um it's amazing I've got a good mate that basically says well, you get a spade and you dig in and you do your bit and I think we want people to really appreciate that if you do your bit it really genuinely matters and also nature matters to people I think a big change in the whole of the wildlife trusts is is about nature the benefit of nature to people and there's a lot of people in the Isle of Man who would love going out into nature, be that fell running, walking you know, the blue tits going swimming they're, they're experiencing and really getting a, a, a mental and a well-being benefit back from nature and that's really important to us and so actually we just want people to be a little bit selfish maybe and create that bit of green space and a, and, a, and put bird feeders up so you can watch the birds and, and put bug hotels in and, and put wildflower meadows and enjoy them your self and and get out into nature and get that that sense of well-being back and if everyone did their little bit we have a wonderful island one of our biggest challenges is that we have such a wonderful island for nature already that some people might say well why do you need a wildlife trust the island man's wonderful and we want people to know that actually it can be better, and also we want to keep it wonderful for the next generation. So we shouldn't be complacent. So really? what
1: would you say? I mean, what's the what is the uh, what's the purpose? If somebody on the street would say, "What is the purpose of Manx Wildlife Trust?" Heard about it? 51 years in existence. What do you what do you seek to do on a we, daily we basis? We take
2: nature's voice. We're nature's voice. I think the RSPB would probably say they're in that strap line. But you know, I think that's the conservation movement. We take nature's side. We we, we are out there to you know we're looking at bringing nature back. At conserving nature, looking at ways that we can get nature-based solutions to, to, to benefit to benefit nature and people but also how do we get people to feel better from the environment so we we take nature's side Uh, I got a message in and this
1: is from Sean who just said can you tell everybody that the Manx Ornithological Society have a meeting tonight at the Methodist Hall Strang Road in Union Mills (laughs) it's a presentation about the prospect of offshore wind farms the challenges, the technology and the impact on uh, bird life as well and here's the message in from Paul can you ask Lee how the hen harrier population is doing you mentioned the wallabies and the hen harriers uh, there used to be quite a lot uh, 20 odd years ago but not seen not seen
2: one for years says Paul. Well I've just had the sharp intel from from David back at base, thank you David. So uh, the, the highest count we've got is in the early noughties where the, I, I'm told, and, and Manx Birdlife lead on this, uh, you know Manx Birdlife have, have led the hen harrier census on the island and some of our team contribute, Lara and, and others will contribute to the, to the hen harrier census but there, w- there was one done in 2020 The figure I've got in front of me is about 38 to 40 pairs. 2000, early noughties, there was about 54 pairs, which I believe is the the peak on record. So the the numbers are still good, not quite as good as they were 20 years ago, but there's still circa 40 pairs.
1: Um, uh, The bird population on the Isle of Man, I'm I'm guessing, is world-renowned and it's it's known and, and certainly the calf is extremely important as a as a stopping off point uh, and and again just a, a rough question if you like is the bird is the the world uh, or is the environment for the for birds on the isle of man getting better or worse
2: um, it's certainly better on the calf now because we've pretty much eradicated long tails I think also if you look at agri-environment it gives me a chance to mention the, the Manx Farmland Birds Group which has come from it's not part of our government contract this has been supported by individuals it's a partnership it's, it's, it's a, not a Manx Wildlife Trust owned thing it's, a, it's an island group so the Ornithological Society Manx Bird Life Farmers we've got a group of people working towards conserving farmland birds and be that chuffs curl use hopefully corn crakes one day certainly tree sparrows is top of the list now and now you actually mentioned tree
1: sparrows what sort of threat is there to tree sparrows
2: well they're food so a key way that we're trying to bring them back is putting up feeding stations so they've got food through the winter we put millet feeding stations in um so that that is a key one and, and you know they are a farmland bird they need places to, to nest they need food supply through the winter so they're the things that we're trying to tackle
1: Okay, um, many, many points I want to get through, and one is uh, just very briefly, if you could, uh, the position of Manx bees. Oh because (laughs) well in that they're very important we don't have the varroa mite on the isle of man and you were talking about invasive species and things that are going to cause us problems we export bees i'm told our bee population is is very so that's just part of the ecostructure the part of the ecosystem of the isle of man
2: fragile but very well renowned at the moment is that something you've got knowledge of very little i actually did a course i did last year's winter course with the beekeeping society which i found personally fascinating um uh... <sighs> the island, if you want to be a beekeeper on the island, I know you've got to be registered with DEFA DEFA have got controls in place bees as such is not something Manx Wildlife Trust do, I think we, we host hives for at least one beekeeper in one of our nature reserves tucked away that's not open to the public um, the, the one point I would say is that there are native bees and there are hive bees now I don't, my understanding is that there's no conflict in the Isle of Man with that, that but, but we would need to be careful in some places that we don't, we wouldn't overpopulate with, with, with non native bees but i don't believe that's an issue here
1: okay all right thanks for being with us today we're out of time uh, chief Executive of max wildlife trust uh, lee morris and the team wilder coordinator lucy chapman in today uh, so many questions and so many calls that we got backed up so uh, lee i'm guessing i'm going to ask you to pop back later on this year could you manage to do that i think we'd love to i might
2: i might david i'm going to bring david with me
1: all right. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. Good to talk to you today. That's uh, Manx Wildlife Trust. Now, if you want to get involved, 844-432 or go to their website at mwt.im. Thanks to Chris Quirk on the phones today. Back tomorrow with an open line on Manx Radio.
5: W-I-N-T.